what do we want to do? Let me see here. Yeah, let's turn to Second Timothy, chapter two. Uh, my my dear friend Bo, uh, how many of you guys know who Bo Key is? You know who Bo Key is? No, no, somebody, man, there's not enough people raising their hands. I need to have Bo in again here soon. Um, I'm just, just prepare yourself for Bo, okay? You get around Bo and you'll realize you're not as free as you thought you were. I'm just letting you know, Bo is a wild, and, um, but just carries the joy of the Lord. And so, um, supposed to be doing some meetings with him soon. We'll keep you apprised of, but definitely want to have him in on a Sunday morning. Um, but anyway, Bo just uh, messaged me, Amber Twig, and Ben, I don't know how to say his last name, Deonda. And so I don't really know Ben, know Amber well, um, done some ministry with her. She'll be here soon. Um, yeah, so, but anyway, um, so he messages and, he, and just has, you know, a little bit of idea of what's kind of been going on in our family or whatever. But anyway, he shared an encounter daddy had um with me and i was just kind of meditating with us us three and i was kind of meditating on it and i actually went into a vision um in my prayer time and i saw just the fiery eyes of jesus and man they just stared at me and like just stared through me and just uh man they just pierced my soul you know and uh oh and i could just feel like his love and uh, <laughs> he spoke to me with his eyes. You know, I saw it and, it and I heard, you know, in my spirit, I heard. I didn't hear with uh, these, but I heard with this, you know, my heart and my soul. And and he just began to speak to me about his, like, his faithfulness and his steadfast. Like, his eyes are steady on us, you know. His eyes, are he doesn't blink, man. He's looking at us constantly steadily looking at us faithful and true and uh, he really just began to speak to me about his faithfulness and and I want to touch to you and then actually Jen sent me some stuff that I'll touch on um, this morning as well and it just the Lord has really confirmed everything I think he wants to say this morning but second Timothy uh, chapter 2 listen to this you therefore my son be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. I love this, man. Be strong in grace, divine ability, power that you don't have outside of God. Be strong in that power, not yourself. Um, and the things that you have heard from among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men uh, who will be able to teach others. You, therefore, must endure hardships. I want to read that to you again because there is a gospel message. There is a Christianity out there that is preached that you'll never go through anything. Hardships aren't from God. Trials aren't from God. Sufferings don't happen. You know, it's all just uh, be blessed. Don't be stressed. All this kind of stuff, man. Hey, I don't worry. I don't receive stress and all that. And But how many of you know the Bible says count it all joy, brethren, when you fall into various trials and tribulations because they produce Christ in you. God gets the glory in them as well. He promised you, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so he says this, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. 
that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that which is in, or sorry, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. I, I love the Apostle Paul's writing. He always rounds it up, sums it up, and brings it back to the resurrection of the dead and the coming of Christ and being with Christ forever. Everything he lived from was from that place. Let's go on. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Uh, this is amazing. It, it, there's this grace of God that extends even in our faithlessness as long as we're not denying him. Huh? I said there's a grace of God. There's a mercy, there's a divine ability of God that's extended to us even in our faithlessness. Hmm? He's still faithful. His faithfulness to us is not dependent upon our faith towards Him. We cannot deny Him. Now if we deny Him, He's bound by His own word to deny us. But there are moments in life where my faith and your faith is going to be tried, it's going to be tested, and it and it's going to, in moments, fail. Well, brother, I thought we preached faith here. We, we do preach faith here. I'm preaching you to have faith when you don't have faith. Huh? I, I'm preaching you to believe the faithful one even when you are a faithless one. Huh? I'm teaching you, I'm preaching to you this morning by the Spirit to encourage you to endure and press on, not based on your own merits, but based on His. Oh man, I feel the love of God this morning. He's so faithful, man. He's so faithful. And listen, I don't care who you think you are in this room. There's moments when you fail. There's moments when you mess up. I don't care what sermon you, you were taught that said that, you know, you're going to come into Christ and everything's going to be, you know, uh, seraphim and rainbows for the rest of your walk because it's just not true, man. Jesus himself promised you that you'd have troubles, but he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Guess what? That even means when you turn from him, he's not turning from you. Even in that moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to you and said, hey, don't do that. Choose me, not that. And you chose that. He's still faithful to you. He's still loving you. He's still drawing you. He didn't throw you out with yesterday's trash because you made a mistake. That is not the God that we serve. 
He actually cannot do it. I just read it. If he were to do that, he would be denying himself. He'd be declaring himself a liar. And we know that God is no man that he should lie. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 11 through 13. I was going to drink without the cap off. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We understand the spiritual dynamics of what Paul is writing here, that he's not talking about natural age. We're understanding that in Christ, a six-year-old can be a man in Christ, while an 80-year-old can be a babe in Christ. We understand that, right? It's based upon what? On the level and measure in which Christ's nature manifests forth from your being in any and every situation. Huh? I know. I said a lot. of That was a long sentence. Let me, let me, here. Maturity is based on whether you look and smell and act like Jesus no matter what. Hmm? And I'm telling you, though, I'm telling you, it, that has nothing to do with you. It has to do with his power working in you. But listen to this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. We're talking about when? Again, the coming of the Lord. Now I know in part... But then I shall know just as I also am known. You better go ahead and realize and accept the fact that you're never, until Christ comes and you get your glorified body, you're never going to understand all there is to understand about God. You're never going to understand all his ways. You're never going to understand why something does or does not happen. There are just going to be some things that remain a mystery. It's just a fact. Now, can we ask for and receive all wisdom and understanding in the knowledge of him? Yes, and we should. It's as we grow in this, we grow in him. And, and, the, and we grow up in the Lord and maturity is produced in us over time. But he's very clear. It says very clear right here. He's like, right now, this is Paul, right? This is Paul who said, I've had revelations, I've been caught up in heaven and seen things that I can't even write about. And he's telling you right now, I actually still only know in part. But then I'll know fully. My hope isn't in right now. My hope isn't in my efforts, even the work of God that I'm doing as an apostle. My efforts aren't in the revelation I have right now, the understanding I have right now. My hope is then, when I see him and I'm with him. That's where my hope is based. The same guy who wrote this, the one thing I do, I forget about what's behind and I press forward to lay hold of that which Christ has laid hold of me. Paul was always looking forward. Listen. But now abide or remain is another word. Remain, abide, stay. It means, do you know what abide, that word abide is? At least if you go back in the Hebrew um, where it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That word abide means make it your home. Not moving. It's not going anywhere. It's, remain. it's literally a word that means to stick to. It won't come off of. 
So at the end, every situation, every day, everything we go through, these three remain. These three abide. Faith, hope, and love. Listen, you can be shaken in every area of your life, but I promise you this, if Christ lives in you, and I know by the Spirit in this room, Christ lives in you. Christ, the hope of glory, living in you. No matter what is thrown at you or you go through, what will remain is faith, hope, and love. You will believe in the faithful one. You will hope in the glory that is coming and his love will remain both with you and flow through you. Faith, hope, and love, these remain. Listen, maturity in Christ understands that these remain. In your maturing and in your maturity, you may not manifest these perfectly in every situation. That's not what we're saying here. But as you grow up, what you'll learn to recognize is no matter what the devil or the world or people or God or whatever comes at you, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. They remain. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I want to read something to you real quick. I read uh, Patricia King shared it the other day. It's so good. Um, No matter how much you desire to walk purely before God, there are times where we can be imperfect in the process. And we need to allow the Lord to comfort us in those moments. He wants to love you through it. Listen, there, I, I'm, I'm personally have been in situations, whether of my own doing or the doing of others, where I was forced into a box where there was no perfect in that situation. How many of you have ever been there? I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm damned if I do and damned if I don't. How many of you have ever been there? I'm between a rock and a harp. If I go this way, it's all hell. If I go this way, it seems like it's all hell. Guess what? He's still the God in that midst. He's still faithful in that midst. Even when you feel you failed, he's still the faithful one. He's the faithful friend forever, regardless, even in that moment. God is still watching over you, and he's got a plan. And listen, some of you have been in that season, walked out of it, been like, praise God, that season's over, only to walk right back into that season again and then you're like praise God that season's over and you walk right back into that season again let me tell you one thing that didn't change his faithfulness did not stop in any one of those seasons he's the same faithful friend on top of the mountain as he is in the valley he's the same faithful friend when you feel like you're coming out smelling like roses and myrrh and you look at just like Jesus as his time you come out looking like the devil may be your father he's the same faithful friend I'm telling you, he's the same faithful friend when you made that mistake and you cut that guy off in the interstate, right? And you're grumbled and complained. He's still the same faithful friend. Hmm? Then the time you fed the poor or gave to someone in need, he's the same faithful friend. He didn't change. Not once. His love for you, his acceptance of you never changed. Why? Because it was never dependent upon you in the first place. If it was, it was all in, (laughs) we're all in trouble. Mm. Oh. 
you know, there's been some really major hardships in in our community recently. Uh, I mean, I just went through, whew, and still am not out of it. And then just yesterday got the report to another thing happened. Then just yesterday, uh, many, many of you know, some of you may not know that my dad is in the ICU right now you know, fighting for his life, and then they, yes, then it looked like he was getting better, and they gave him a transfusion, and then something with his heart happened, and we just got the word yesterday, put him on a ventilator, and if you know, typically, you don't come off those, so that's, that's it, they had it where, you know, I tried to go down, I was going to go see him, and they said, you know, basically, he's not as, which we had hope, we're like, they're like, he's not as bad off, you know, um, to the point where we would move him in a room and, and, you know, let you guys come like, look through, look at him through glass or whatever. Well, guess they just moved him in that room yesterday. So, you know, man, that hits you like a ton of bricks and you're like, whoo, but here's the thing, man, you know what I know in this moment, there's three things that remain faith, hope, and love. And I know this, my dad is born again. And listen, if he stays, it's for us. If he goes, it's for him, man. That's what you need to understand. If he stays, it's only for me, it's for his wife, it's for my brother, it's for those who who love him and care for him and enjoy his company and will miss him. It's certainly not for him. What do I mean? I mean to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He will literally enter into every tear wiped away. No more sorrow, no more pain. He'll be in the bliss of splendor. Every bit of bliss and ecstatic encounter we've ever had with the Lord, it'll be times a million for him. Do you understand? He'll literally, his conscience will literally be clean. Every bad thing he ever did, there'll be a supernatural thing that happens that he'll never, ever remember it. I kind of want that. I'm trying to live in that now. You know, I, right now I have to live in it by faith, right? But he'll receive that. How many of you would love that? That you would love to wake up in the morning and never, ever, ever have the enemy or your flesh try to remind you of wrong you did? Huh? That you wouldn't only by faith believe it was under the blood, but you'd actually live like it was under the blood. Woo, by default, man. I'm telling you, that's a splendid place to be. You know, many of you may not know, and some of you may, that, you know, uh, Amy's uh, uh, brother, <laughs> sorry, it's like, it's painful. Her, her sister-in-law uh, was in labor from Saturday to Thursday, right? Saturday from Thursday. And um, they found out uh, during labor that the baby had died during labor, and so then she had to go to the hospital and was going to have to deliver stillborn, you know, uh, deliver the baby stillborn, which if you don't know, um, for men, for women, that is real tough. It's one thing, I mean, miscarriages are tough. Loss of life is tough. But to have to go through the actual physical pain of birth and it only to, to, to be dead and you not to have that joy, like that is a trauma that we as men will never understand. And so, um, anyway, uh, she, she was in the midst of it, um, and they got, they ended up having to do an emergency C-section, got the baby out, did a full, had to do a full hysterectomy because they found an infection on the inside of her. And then, um, and then in the midst of it, she, she passed as well. And so he's, you know, her brother's 26 years old. You know, this isn't like my dad's 72, you know, that's still kind of young, but, but man, 72 is a big difference than 20s, man, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, but man, I, I, I heard, 
you know, talk and conversations of this, this young man's heart and his voice, man. And what I saw was these three things remain faith, hope, and love. And listen, as, as traumatized as that young man was, the only thing he would talk about is how she's in bliss right now. And she's holding their child right now. And she's together. And he, he began to speak because, listen, our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in these things. Like Paul said, like a good soldier fighting a fight, we don't get caught up in the affairs of this life. Even the trauma, even the pain, at the end of the day, these thing, three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. That we believe that those who go on believing in him, we will see them again. That we stand firm believing that Christ will split the sky. And listen, death is done, man. Death and tragedy, it's done. It's, it's, it's end date is already written and the Father knows it. Huh? He's the only one, but the Father has that date on his eternal calendar. And he says, when we get to this date, death, you're done. Christ is coming and you have lost. Your day is numbered. Huh? Death, where is your sting? We don't mourn like those who are in the world mourn, guys. We mourn for ourselves and lo other loved ones, but we don't mourn for those who pass on in Christ. We don't mourn for them. They're way better than we could ever even con conceive in our minds. They're so much better. And you know what I found, man? Listen, I don't know. I'm sure... I'm sure there's uh I'm sure there's a whole lot more that could happen to me right now. I'm not inviting it. You know. But listen, this is what I know, bro. Like you're not taking my peace. You're not taking my peace. I'm not going to go ball in my room. I mean, I'll cry alone with Jesus. I'll grieve and I'll mourn with Jesus. But listen, I they're okay right now. You understand? They're okay. If my dad goes today, if he goes tomorrow, he's okay. But there are people walking these streets that aren't okay. There's people I'm going to meet in the stores that aren't okay. If they were to go today, they'd be damned forever, man. They're, they're going to be where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. They don't have the hope that we have. They don't have faith, hope, and love. They don't have anything to remain. They have zilch, nothing. They have pain, sorrow, and agony, man. And it's time that, again, I don't get caught up in the affairs of this, but I think of him and his glory and his kingdom, and I can become much more concerned about the one who's perishing than the one who's already entered eternity. Again, does that take away from the pain? and the No, those things are very real. The soul is a very real thing. And I'm trying to lack compassion in that at all, man. We mourn with those who mourn. But we do it with the understanding that we're mourning for them, not for the ones who have gone on. You got to understand, even that baby, man, that's tragic, bro. Ooh, I can't even imagine one of my kids. I can't imagine that baby. But listen, here's the one thing, though. You know, the Bible says that the day of death is better than the day of life. Did you know that's Ecclesiastes 7.1? The day of death is better than the day of life. It says that. Here's the one thing I know about that baby. None of us got to meet her. You know, none of us ever got to see her personality, never got to see her smile, never got to hear from her. We'll, we'll never know the joy that she was in this world. But let me tell you another truth. 
Another truth, she will never know the horrors in this world. She will never know the, she'll never know what it's like to have a friend betray her. She'll never know what it's like to have a man look at her as an object or try to abuse her or seduce her. She'll never know. She'll never see how bad the Bible says the world is going to be. She'll never, ever see it. She'll only look on and gaze on the beauty of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Paul said, it's better for me if I go, but I stay for you. I stay for you. Which tells me again, Another truth of this, of this true gospel, that if you're alive right now, you're not alive for you. If you're alive right now, it's because God has a purpose for you in this earth to point others to Jesus. You're not alive so that you can get that car you always wanted. You're not alive so that you can get that mansion you always wanted. You're not alive so you can finally be successful in this life. There is no greater success than to sit at the feet of Jesus, which is what's waiting for you when you pass on to the next life. What greater success is there? Actually, God said he's building me a mansion, so I'm really not worried about this thing because this is all temporal anyway. That's forever and ever and ever and ever. So if I'm alive right now, I'm alive for a reason. And at the end of it, when everything's shaken up, when tragedy comes, when trauma comes, when we're facing trials and tribulations and people we love die and people we're seeing are in pain, I can't tell you, I imagine the leadership, they're looking at us going, man, but it's just been one thing or another. And they're praying and they're hurting for us, you know. And we're sitting here just trying to stand strong in the faith because what else do we have? Nothing. Because at the end, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. It's literally all we have. And if one thing I've learned in this season is when everything is shaken, I have those things. Because he who is faithful is faithful to me even if I'm faithless. He who is faithful is still producing faith, hope, and love in me. He who is still faithful is still producing peace and righteousness and joy and patience and goodness. You know what I'm noticing is I've got all hell breaking out in my life, but I'm not agitated at my kids. I've got all hell breaking out at my life, but I'm not getting frustrated and angry like I would have if I was in the world. Something is different in me, and something is being produced in me, and someone is faithful to me even in my faithlessness, even in my moments of weakness somebody's still faithful somebody's still good somebody's still filling me with his spirit this thing is real my salvation isn't just a mystery it's not just a it's not just a fantasy it's a real thing it's a real work that God did inside of us that when I became new he meant I became new that I don't suffer the same way do I suffer yeah but I don't suffer as the world suffers with no hope I suffer, but I suffer in hope of glory and splendor and that sky splitting and it all be done away with. Huh? Come on, Jesus. Oh. I want to show you this God. Turn with me to Judges. Chapter 16. I want to show you this God who remains faithful. It's a faithful God. Even when we're faithless, he's a faithful God. Verse 16, 
Now, leading up to this, this is the story of Samson, but leading up to this, Samson has already broken his covenant with God. That's what you need to understand. We're, we're not going to read the full story, but picking up in chapter 16, you understand uh, that he's already broken God's law. He's already broken his covenant. He's already gone, and he's married a pagan woman. Um, and, and this woman, I mean, this tragic thing that he's already gone through, he ends up marrying this woman. They end up taking him, this woman from him, giving him to one of his companions. So not only has uh, he had his wife taken from him, but his, his friend, his companion, this isn't just somebody else, this is a friend, actually took his wife as his own. So he's not only had his wife taken from him, he's also been betrayed by his, his close friend who received his wife. Uh, and then they ended up not only... Uh, this because he still wanted her he still loved her but they end up setting her and his father-in-law on fire burning him so this is where we're picking up in samson's life i would say samson's been through some trauma you know we always look at samson and in in his what, what i'm about to read in this part of his life and and but we don't think about what samson's already been through to this point yes some by his own doing but not all he didn't set his wife and his father-in-law on fire somebody else did he didn't take his wife and give her to a companion to his one of his own friends he didn't choose for his friend his close friend to take his wife he didn't choose any of that that stuff happened to him sure he married a a pagan woman we've all made mistakes but you know he didn't do any of that the trauma that came on him he didn't do to himself i think we need to remember that i think god sees that let's pick up Chapter 16. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot, and he went into her. How many of you know when the Bible says went in, it means went in. It, it's, he didn't go into her house. He went into her. That's what it means. They had sex, you know. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When the Gazites were told Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying, In the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gateposts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Now it says, afterwards he happened, it happened that he loved a woman in the Valley of Sorek. Uh, it's super interesting because a lot of movies and, and, and uh, depictions of this story will say that Delilah was a harlot. And it'll, it'll connect the two, but actually the Bible doesn't say that. It says, he, and then after this, he went into a whore. After this, a harlot, a prostitute. After this, then he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. They're not the, it would have said the prostitute. It's not the same. So, um, again, I want you to see what he's done so far. He married a pagan, okay? And I'm pretty sure at this point he's already touched a dead carcass, which he was not supposed to. Yeah, he has. He touched a dead, a dead thing, which he wasn't allowed to do. So he did that. Then he married a pagan. And then he had his best friend take his wife sleep with her he came back to get her and they set his wife he wanted her he came back to take her they set his wife and his father-in-law on fire then he's so tra he's so tragically broken and beaten he wants to feel something different so what does he do he goes into a harlot i just need to you know because most likely he hadn't 
known what that physical thing was like until he was married. Now he's had to take, do you understand? Do you see? Do you see how it's, there's nothing new under the sun. Sometimes we think of the, oh, the, the Bible times when things were this way, or we think about the 1920s and we go, oh, when things, listen, it just wasn't as pronounced, but it was still as morally corrupt. There was still stuff. The difference is back then it happened in back rooms. Now it happens outside. It just, that's the difference. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, our consciences are getting a little bit more seared in these latter days where we're a little bit less, we're a little bit more numb to it, but all the same stuff was taking place all from the fall of man. It's been, sin has been running rampant in the earth. You have to understand that. And so Samson, just like many of us, many of us wanted to feel something different. How many times have, have we done that? Does it have to be a prostitute? Could be a video game. Could be a movie. I've done it this week with Oreo cookies and ice cream. I mean, you guys know I don't eat, I don't touch sugar, and I don't, I don't eat um, carbs really a lot sometimes. If I eat carbs, I literally have to fast all day to eat a carb, because if I eat bread, it, I blow up like the State Puff Marshmallow Man. It just doesn't sit well with me, you know? But I did it this week. I need to feel something different. So I was talking to the team, and da-da-da-da, and next thing you know, I ended up with a, a pint, a quart, and a pack of Oreos and a glass of milk. And I felt different. Listen, I felt different. Good for a moment on that sugar high, but then, oh, later. I felt different. But, you know, I did. I, I went to that instead of the comforter. I sought comfort in food instead of the comforter. It's true. And then I started to get that way again last night. And I went, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn to Jesus. <laughs> Praise God, I learned my lesson. But, I mean, whether it be prostitute or the, the, the bag of Oreos. And many of us, what we would do is we would say, well, the Oreos aren't, at least I'm not Samson, at least it's not a prostitute, so I'm going to eat the whole bag of Oreos, and then that makes it okay. But it really doesn't. It's Honestly, it's the heart problem. It's the same issue as I'm looking for comfort and satisfaction in someone other than Jesus or something other than Jesus. I'm looking for something to make me feel different instead of having faith in the one who can satisfy. you know. And that's really what we, we, we do. And why am I saying that? Because I want you to have mercy on Samson, I, I want you to see Samson how God sees Samson. Uh, because, see, God searches the hearts in men, and we stand back and we judge. And this is why Paul comes by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he says, who are you to judge another man's servant? How do you know? You know? I've, I've, I've heard Samson preach so many times about how it, God will still anoint and use a person even if they're in sin. See, look at Samson. But Where's the mercy and the compassion of everything that Samson went through up until this point? Where's, where's the, what I see now? I don't see that now. What I see is the faithfulness of a God who remains faithful. In the, the guy goes into a prostitute, comes out, and the anointing of God comes upon him, and he still uses him to demonstrate his power and glory. Some would say, well, that's because you know God will, God just uses anybody, uses anything. No, I think it's because God was faithful and knew Samson's heart, and I'm going to show you in just a moment. Anyway, afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of 
silver. Man, what is it with silver and men of God? People betraying men of God for money. So Delilah said to Samson, why am I calling him a man of God? Don't you know what he did? I'll show you in a minute. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and with what you may be bound to afflict you. And Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings and not yet dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. So the lords of the Philistines brought her up to her seven fresh bowstrings, not yet dried, and she bound him with them. Now men were lying in wait, staying with her in the room. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he broke the bowstrings as a strand of yarn breaks when it touches fire. So then the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, look, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me what you may be bound with her. He goes on to, to tell her ropes. Um, and then, uh, she, she, I want, she binds him up again. They break him out again. Jump down to verse 15. Listen to this. Then she said to him, how can you say, I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul, somebody say soul was vexed to death that he told her all his heart and said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head for I've been a Nazarite to God for my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. I want to pause right here. So now not only has, you know, he sinned and touched dead things, married a, a, uh, a pagan, had his wife given to his companion, then had her set on fire and his father-in-law set on fire. Which again, it's a little bit different. Some of our culture still uh, adapts this, but, but especially back then, your father-in-law was like your father. You, you viewed them as such. The, you know, that's the way it was. You called them that father. They, they became a father to you. Um, some of us still practice that, but not all. You know, then he you know messed up, went into a harlot. Now he falls in love with this woman. He's like, man, now I'm finally in love again. My heart is is healed again to love again. You know, uh, I loved once, and and all this tragedy happened to her, and now I'm in a place where I can fall in, in love again. And what does she do? She sells him out for money, and she literally uses his love for her to twist and manipulate. And try to, again, benefit herself by earning money. So she literally takes his heart and twists it up, vexes his soul, pressures him. I mean, if you ever want to see the operation of what we call the spirit of witchcraft and manipulation, you, you just read it in Delilah. She pressed him and used his love for her to get him to do what she wanted to benefit her. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? I've had it happen to me many times. I mean, it's like, man, he's just one of the guys, bro. He's just a normal person, you know? And it's very interesting, too, I want to point out that he still claims to be a Nazarite, and he still claims the power of God, and he's only ever kept this one vow. I want you to see this. So the vow was don't drink wine, 
don't touch dead things. You know, obviously he wasn't supposed to marry anyone outside the Jewish faith. And says, don't let a razor touch your hair. Now he's violated everything but this. It's very interesting that he's violated all his vows, but God never once violated his. Hmm? It's very interesting. I felt the Holy Spirit. It's very interesting that he's been faithless in every area up until this point but one, but yet God has been faithful to him throughout. It's interesting. You know, the, the hair speaks of covering. The hair speaks of his covering. Did you know that? Go read it in, in I believe it's Corinthians. It talks about the covering of the hair of women because of the angels, and it, it provides a covering. And prophetically, if you know anything about the prophetic and how God speaks and things like that, the hair speaks of your covering, whether it be the covering of Christ, the covering of his covenant, your pastoral covering, your house covering, you know, husband's covering a wife and, and those kind of things. You know, it speaks to this, this covering. And so everything was damaged but the covering. Everything was damaged but the covering, and God remained faithful. Now listen. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the Lord. So he took everything. How many of you ever had that happen? I've had that happen. Where you finally open up to somebody. You finally get transparent, and then they use the very thing you shared with them in intimate in secret against you. Mm. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of Philistines, saying, Come up once more, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Now he's been tormented by the one he loves. And she said to the Philistines, are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before as other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head, hallelujah, began to grow again after it had been shaven. His covering began to be restored to him. The revealing, the revelation of who actually covered him, and watched over him, began to grow back the revelation of the one who gave him grace divine ability you have to understand that samson wasn't just don't ever let science or anybody else tell you he was some kind of nephilim or something or he was just born with supernatural strength that is not where samson got it he wasn't just i know the movies always but portray him as this like really big muscular guy but we don't actually know that you know samson could just been a stick because the Bible says that the hand of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and then he had power. And you notice when the spirit of the Lord departs and lifts off him because his covering is cut, then what happens? He's now weak. He can't do anything. So we have no idea, even though, they, again, they always portray him as this big, just naturally muscular, strong guy. And then God just, but we don't know that. 
you know. Um, it was God's power. And so now it says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our gods has delivered in our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has delivered in our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. How many of you have been in that place where, you know, that person that wrongs you or harms you nagged at you and said, Yeah, where's your God now? <laughs> you Christian. <laughs> where's he at now? He protect you. I could have people say that to me right now. My dad's in the hospital. Oh, you man of faith, man of God. If you lived your life right and did this and did that, then this kind of stuff wouldn't happen. How many people ever heard people say stuff like that? It happens all the time. This is happening because. Oh, so it's not because we have trouble in this world. Huh? Because I, I see with Samson, I see a whole lot of trouble Samson did himself. And I see a whole lot of trouble others did to Samson. I see both in play here. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them and they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by his hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, O oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on his right and not one on his left. Then Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the Lord, on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he killed in his life. And his brothers and his father's household came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshthal in the tomb of his father, Manoah. He had judged Israel 20 years. In the end of Samson's life, beaten, betrayed, wife burned, father burned, eyes plucked out, ridiculed by his enemies, faith, hope, and love remained. His faith in what God could do remained. Even in the midst of my eyes are out. Lord, I know. I call on you. I've been faithless. I betrayed our covenant. I broke our vow. I gave away the secret. I let happen to me the, the things you said not to happen to me. But I know if you will it, you can empower me once more. I know that when I'm even when I'm faithless, you're faithful, and you can strengthen me again. And at the end, when everything had been stripped away from Samson, faith remained. He could still believe. Even though he had those moments of faithfulness, God remained faithful to Samson. But the story of Samson isn't over yet. The story of Samson doesn't end in Judges 16. Did you know that? 
Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 through 39. Samson's story is not over. See, we read that and we say, well, whew, that's a rough testimony. <laughs> huh? I mean, God used him, but man, I wouldn't want that testimony. I mean, he failed. He, you know, he was beat down. He was broken. He didn't trust God. He betrayed God. He, he, oh, sleeping around. You know, God says we're only supposed to be with one person our whole life. Samson's with at least three we see recorded, you know, married to the one prostitute and then living with the other. By the way, the, the, the man of authority in the land of the day, the judge, it says, and he judged 20 years. So he was the quote-unquote minister of the day, whatnot, which is what they had at that time. Very interesting. And we look at that testimony and we go, terrible testimony. Ruined his life. Scandal left and right. That's the way that we would look at that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30 through 39. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Down after they were encircled for seven days, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fires, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mocking and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destined afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. The Bible says about Samson that the world was not worthy of him. This is what the Bible says. This is what the one who looks and sees the hearts in men says about this man, Samson, that the world was not worthy to receive him. Listen to this. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All these having obtained a good testimony. A good testimony. God reads Judges 16 and says, good testimony. Why? Because it was a testimony not of Samson's faithfulness, but of God's. It's a testimony of the working of the grace and mercy and power of Jesus Christ. It's your testimony. It's my testimony that even in my weakness, he makes me strong. Even in my failures, he's faithful. Even when I mess up, I get jacked up. I'm torn up. I've been beaten down by the traumas of life that I can have faith, hope, and love and look at him who remains faithful and true and say, but there's a God I hope in. There's a God who will deliver. There's a God who will save. Samson and his 
midst of his troubles didn't get in self-sorrow and, and, and pity and, oh, look at all this crap I've done. Look at all I've destroyed in my life. I've done this. I've done that. He's like, nope, nope, nope. I know a God who's faithful, and if you'll strengthen me one more time, one more time, you'll deliver my enemies into my hands. And the Bible says again that the, the deaths in his death were greater than the deaths in his life. That at, at that final moment of his greatest weakness was God's greatest strength. Think about that. In the moment of his utter weakness, blind, broken, beaten, in chains, ridiculed, God showed up and showed off like never before. This is the God we serve. This is the faithful one, the true one says, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made apart from us. Means when God came on Samson, guess what he came on Samson in light of? Guess why he could do what he did back then? Because he already knew what Christ would do. When he came because the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the earth. That's what you have to understand. It says we're better off, man. We're better off. So there's not a person in this room after today that has any permission by the Spirit of God I speak to you. Any permission to let shame and guilt and condemnation hold you down. There's not a person in this room that has any right to let trauma and abuse and, and the wickedness of the world keep you from your faith in God. Keep you from believing that God will come through on your behalf. He is faithful. He's proven it time and time again. There's thousands of pages right here. Literally over a thousand pages of the faithfulness of God for you to read every single day to show you time and time again that it ain't about you, it's about Him. And that He's good and His mercy and His goodness are running you down. They are chasing you down. He's faithful. Even when we lose faith. Even when we lose faith. Even when you gave up. Even when you went back to your vomit. You know, the Bible says a dog returns to their own vomit. Even when you went back to your own vomit, his faithfulness remained. He was just as faithful in that moment as he is in the moment when you're in the midst of a 40-day fast, praying in tongues eight hours a day. He's the same faithful God. He never changes. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness, God. I thank you that you strengthen the weak. Huh. God, if being weak shows greater strength, I say make me weak, Lord. I say, make me weak. Just get the glory. Just get the glory. Just get the glory. Stop trusting in your strength and your ability. Trust in God. Trust in his faithfulness. Stop depending on what you did or didn't do yesterday. Is this a license to sin again? Certainly not, man. 
Everything Samson did wrong didn't take away from the fact that it was wrong. But what it also didn't take away from is the fact that God is good all the time. That God is faithful all the time. A good testimony is this. I endured till the end. What did you endure? Some would tell you I endured in holiness and purity and I came out smelling like roses. That's not what he's talking about. You endured believing that faith, hope, and love remained in you. That you endured and fought the good fight of faith. That no matter what life threw at you, that no matter what people did to you, that no matter how many times you fell down, you got back up again, not based on your record, but based on Christ's. Based on His faithfulness. And don't you dare sit in here, one of you, thinking you're disqualified to be used by God. There was never, I can't find a more man disqualified in the Bible to operate under the anointing than Samson. I I can't find one. God says he has a good testimony. God says you have a good testimony. Are you believing this morning? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe in God? And the one in whom he sent. This is what Jesus said your work is to do. He said your work is to believe God and the one in whom he sent. Do you believe the blood is enough? Do you believe that his spirit is enough to empower you? Do you believe that his faithfulness is enough? Do you believe that when you stand before the living God, that his blood is getting you in? Do you believe that? You stand flawless before Him. Do you believe that? Man, that'll set you free. You want to live holy and pure and righteous? You get this right here. You give this. You get this. You're saved by grace through faith. Thank you, Jesus. You're a friend forever. You're the friend that sticks closer than the brother. Oh, let the Father just embrace you this morning. You're my child. You're my child. I didn't cast you out. Silly, I've just been wanting you to come home all this time. I love you. I love you. I saw you in that bar. I saw you when everybody else was was drinking and you were drinking too, but you were thinking about me. I saw you. I saw you after you slept with that person and you got out of that bed feeling icky and shame and your heart was broken because you were thinking of me. I saw you. I saw you. I searched the hearts and the minds. I saw the, I search. I saw you when everything else was taken away. Everything that you had to stand on fell out from under you and you ran to me. You didn't run to another. I saw you. I saw your heart. I saw what they did to you and how they treated you. I saw it. 
And I'll have mercy on them just like I have mercy on you. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. The eyes of the Lord look to and fro. Searching for a heart that's fully after him. Oh, David was a man after your own heart. Not because everything he did looked like you, but because he sought you. He was after you. Murder, adultery, caught, living in deception, thinking he was fine. Oh, but the second he was caught, he didn't look to man to make it right. He looked at your feet. He looked at you. He remembered the faithfulness and the loving mercy of God. It's why his son stood dedicating your temple saying the mercy and the loving kindness of God endures forever. Trials will not endure. Pain will not endure. Suffering will not endure. Sin will not endure. Death will not endure. But His loving kindness and steadfast mercy will endure forever. God, I'm praying by the Spirit this morning that you so solidify and seal that in our hearts that we can get on with your business knowing we're taken care of, God. I pray, Lord, that we no longer look at death the same way. We no longer look at loss and tragedy the same way, but we look at it as an opportunity for your faithfulness to shine through, Lord. Lord, we know whether in healing or suffering, you get the glory. You get the glory. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would help us to love you better. To trust you. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.